Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Celtics. I'm Warren Shaw. He is the great Gary Washburn, and we're your host and resource for everything Celtics this season and all seasons here. Gary, what's good, brother? It's been a minute. How are you feeling? Good, good. Uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know what you think of the in-season tournament, but yeah, I kind of got into it. Now I think it's a good idea as opposed to before where I was on the definitely on the fence. Um, December's coming, so, you know, folks get out there and start – Get your Christmas shopping done early. Don't don't wait till the twenty third or whatever, yeah. Because um, it's sneaking up. I think December first is is tomorrow. So boy, it's here. Um, but yeah, good time of the year. The season's starting to warm up a little bit, uh, and uh, so yeah, some good basketball and uh, the the quarters and the semis of the end season tournament should be fun to watch. Yeah, I think exactly what you said. And we'll always talk about the in-season tournament and Celtics' path to said tournament <laughs> into this knockout round. Uh, some some fun comments and controversy around that, maybe a little bit too. But very much like you said in the beginning, when we spoke about it, whatever it was, a week or two ago, it's like, all right, well, maybe when it gets on the nitty-gritty, we'll care more. And I think everybody does. I think to a person, it's like, all right, it, it did have a little bit of juice to it. You know, like it's, you know, in the beginning, you're just kind of like, mm, yeah, I don't know. And maybe you still hate the courts and all that. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, it ended up being a little bit more exciting now, especially if you're a fan of the Boston Celtics. And I assume you are if you're listening to this show. No, they have a chance now to go ahead and compete in that. All kinds of conversations about the tournament that I want to get into here towards a little bit end of the show. Uh, but as always, let's do our plugs. Um, you can make sure you can follow Gary at G Washburn Globe. Follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. And you can follow Believe at Believe Network and or Believe Sports as well, too. So the first topic of conversation that we're going to get into, G, is uh, – Porzingis. So since we last spoke, uh, went out, leave with, with the calf strain or whatever. And, and, you know, Porzingis, everybody's always a little shaky when he, when he goes down, you know what it is. He's, he's had some histories and you don't want it to be, you don't want to be the team now after he played a career high in games for him to regress, you know, to the, to, you know, to the, what would some, what someone say the mean is right. Um, What's the latest on Porzingis as we as the Celtics head into a game against the Philadelphia 76ers? And for some people, maybe even more importantly, that in-season tournament game against the Pacers next week. Yeah, Warren, um, the injury is not serious. It's not one of those like six-week Carl Anthony Towns cast range. Remember that a couple of years ago where he missed like two months. This is a week or so, right? So it happened on a Friday. We're approaching Friday. So I think he would be – he's out, obviously, for the Sixers game on Friday. I would probably say doubtful or questionable for the Indiana game on Monday. He's taking some shots. He's got a, a, a wrap around the calf. You know, I think they're obviously – with Chris Esporzingas, you had to be very cautious. So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if this you know what, Chris Stapps, come with us to Vegas. You know, we'll see what if, – if we if we make it through Monday's game – It'll be almost two weeks since the injury Thursday. We'll see what happens with you there. If mm-hmm. not, just take the time off. We'll we'll survive the in-season tournament without you, and you'll be back for uh, I think Cleveland comes in uh, the town the week after that. So I think that they'll be cautious, um, but it doesn't sound like it's one of those serious calf strains, like a he tore part of the calf muscle. It just sounds like a tweak. 
Um, and obviously, you know, being 7-3 and his injury history, having torn ACL and having had some some lower extremity injuries uh, before, they're going to be cautious. But I, but I think I would list him, say, probably doubtful for the Indiana game on Monday. And I think moving forward, I think they'll see how he work, looks, if he practices full, how he looks during that. Um, hopefully for him, no setbacks yeah. to where he can be part of the team. You know, that as much as I think they want to win the, the in-season tournament, it's a long-term situation. You you do not want him coming back early, restrain it, then all of a sudden it's six weeks. You know, we've, we've seen calves or like hamstrings and a lot of these really sensitive, delicate injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they'll be careful with him. Yeah, I think that's um, obviously the right approach there with him and and bigger fish to fry long term. And as you alluded to, yeah, if they can they get by the end season tournament, great. You know, I think uh, having two what most people consider kind of lesser opponents, and you know, since the injury took place against Orlando, you play you play Atlanta, then you play Chicago in that you know in season tournament you know game, so to speak, and you're able to survive without him. Al looks pretty good. Um, I think, you know, you know, 15 rebounds in that game against Atlanta, then almost double doubles, you know, um, I guess the Chicago Bulls, but maybe that's not much of a feat <laughs> with the way they're playing right now. Uh, so Al looks, you know, relatively fresh and able to, and competent in essence, to be able to stand into these minutes. Uh, your sense from just that and the rotation in the games that KP has missed, how has Missoula been managing the the front court, posi- front court position, especially at the 4-5? Yeah, Um it's been an interesting situation, Warren. I think Al, obviously Al's gotten a chunk of the minutes. They've gone small a little bit. Um, and then they played a lot of Luke Cornett, and we can discuss the what you think of the Cornett minutes. Um, that's an interesting topic there. And then in Atlanta, he throws out Nemius Kata. Like to me, I wrote it was really strange. Like they did they sent Keita to the G League. And then, you know, for and, and to me, you don't have them as your big. So when Chris Dasporzingis got hurt, it was Horford and Cornette. And you had no guy to go in there. And it gets a big team like Orlando. That's what I didn't understand. Orlando's a big team, physical team, good rebounding team. And you don't have a guy who can get rebounds as big and physical. I didn't understand why they sent him to the G League. But they bring him back you know, for Sunday's game, and he gets 10 boards in like 15 minutes, seven points. You know, his hands were a little, uh, what they call Roberto Duran. I don't know if you big boxing guy, hands of stone. Yeah, um, yeah he, he had a little Roberto Duran-itis in the early going when they were looking for him, and his, his hands weren't quite there. But I think as the game wore on, he learned. He was able to get to the free throw line. I think he was two for seven. He missed a couple of chippies. But I thought it was positive minutes. But then – Fast forward to Chicago on Tuesday, he doesn't play, and it's the Cornette minutes. And they were able to, to blow him out, and we also we'll talk about that game soon. But it was it, it's it's sort of like they do need to me a third big. Like I think they're waiting for Porzingis to come back, and I think they're good with Al. And I, obviously now with without a lot of back to backs coming up, I, I mean uh, I think they I think one they have one not this Friday, maybe next Friday. I think a home and home one. Um, you can play Al every game, and then I think they like the Cornet minutes. Um, but that's what they, they got by with that combination in Orlando, uh, when Porzingis got hurt and against Chicago. But in but Atlanta, I thought Keto did a damn good job for 
kind of his first game, you know, his first, I think it was a second or uh second game as a Celtic. I think he played against Memphis a little bit. Um, but his first real extensive minutes. And I yeah. just think they need guys to rebound. They're getting killed on offensive boards in the last, you know, Orlando had a feast and teams have been having feasts on, on the offensive glass and get a lot of second chance points. But to me, um, I think they're just trying to get by at this point with the Horford Cornette combination. And then sometimes with not Cornette going small, you know, with, with kind of Jason, Jason as, as the four um, and, you know, and there's other combinations that now they've kind of thrown in Delano Banton yep. into the starting lineup on on um, when Drew Holiday couldn't go the starting lineup on on Sunday against Atlanta, and he got some uh, minutes when even when um, Holiday came back from Chicago game. So to to me, it, I think Joe's still mixing and matching with his bench. Um, we can talk about like the why. Brissett and Stevens aren't playing. Um, I thought Stevens could really help them with his toughness. And Brissett was a guy I thought would have a kind of the Grant Williams role. And that really hasn't happened. Um, uh, but, but all these, I think, are things, Warren, that the Celtics are still trying to figure out. Yeah, no, they absolutely are. And I think it will be a common theme. And ironically, we spoke some weeks ago as well, too, about um, the the influence of some of the new coaches on the sideline as well. And just kind of, I'm always interested in like, all right, well, what's being whispered in Joe's ear? I mean, obviously it's still his decision, you know, you know, final decision, if you will. But it's like, hey, you know what? Let's give O'Shea a chance. You know, let's give Lamar a chance. And if those things are happening and they're just being rebuffed in, 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 in any capacity, but this rotation still is very much in flux. We'd like to still see the minutes of Tatum and Brown come down, you know, as we manage it. But this just seems to be a recurring theme. Um, and don't know how Joe is going to continue to, uh, well, when Joe is going to settle on what the, what the rotation is ultimately going to be. Um, and I think for them, they'd like to have some, especially those bench guys, they want to have some levels of, of, of consistency. Like, Hey, well, what are we doing? What are our minutes going to be? So they can just kind of prepare accordingly. You know, it's almost like, like an old high school coach. I just kind of keep you on your toes. You know what I mean? And it's, I don't know. It's a weird situation, I think, at, at this stage. But, you know, Boston continues to be the class of the NBA in terms of record, but they are not without flaws. And hopefully they recognize that and can continue to get better. Let's fast forward here a little bit, too. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the the games ahead of us here. And, you know, we'll again, we'll go back to this in-season situation. But third game against the Philadelphia 76ers coming up. Embiid, questionable. I think he's more probable than anything, but he's he's questionable listed for now. Sixers might also be getting Kelly Oubre back from, you know, um, that, that car accident that he was in. Um, as you alluded to a little bit earlier, most likely no Porzingis in this. Uh, how are you thinking the six, 76ers and Celtics are matching up here? Again, third time already. Um, again, we're not going to get into the messages of it as well, too, but you want to have an advantage over this, you know, in-conference and interdivision rival. Yeah, big big game because obviously they've split yep. the first two. The last two are in Boston. I think Philadelphia comes in a couple of months, so you want to get that maybe uh, advantage just in case you tie in the standings and you want to get that second win. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think both teams have gone at each other. I think the Sixers are a lot better than a lot of people thought because I think when they lost Harden, people were like, "Well, they're going to be like a second tier team in the East," but I think they're a contender. Um, you know, but they've also not look good in some games, even without Embiid, they got blown out, um, you know, by new Orleans the other night, all after beating the Lakers. 
when that three ball was going down, they really pounded the Lakers. So they've been a little up and down, but they're, I think, uh, two games behind the Celtics now. And if Embiid plays as we expect, I think mean, he's listed as questionable, but obviously it's an illness. So you, you like to think he could, you, could rest up and be ready, maybe not shoot around tomorrow, but be ready for tip. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a very interesting matchup, uh, these two teams going at each other, because the Celtics haven't really figured out how to stop uh, Tyrese Maxey. I don't think – I mean, he's got, he's having a – an all-star caliber season. And then the guy that I, that's played well the first two games, or at least the first game, was Tobias Harris. And I think he's a key for that team, Warren. I just think when he's playing well, giving them 18, 19 points, they're a very dangerous team. And the thing about Tobias is he hasn't always kind of shown up. There's been times he's got eight points, 13, you know, 13 points, 12 points. You're like, you look at him, 6'8", you know, can shoot the three, take off the dribble big, and you know, and, and you're and you're saying to yourself, why isn't he better? You know, why no, why no all star game for him? Why no? Because you look at him compared to Tatum, and that's a thing. It's a funny thing, Warren. Like you look at some of these guys, and Tatum's already there, right? Yeah. And Tobias is older, but still hasn't gotten that level. When they go at each other, you're like, why isn't why why never why didn't you know Tobias Harris turn into a kind of a Tatum like player or you look at Kyle Kuzma Kyle Kuzma same draft as Tatum but three years older right and you're still waiting for the best basketball out of Kyle Kuzma you're you're waiting for that guy to become um you know on the cusp of all-star team and you don't know if he's 28 now so I think Celtic fans should be lucky to have a guy like Tatum who's multiple all-stars and only 25 because you look at his contemporaries or guys that he plays against around the league and they're older and haven't established as much. But I sure. do think when Harris plays better, they're a better team. And then, you know, now their bench, uh, like, I don't know what you think about the, the Harden trade, but I thought they got a good return out of that. I mean, Batoon's a pro. You know, Marcus Morris now is playing well, playing better. Uh, he's, he's got in the rotation. Robert Covington is always a guy who can defend and, and hit the occasional three. So yeah. I think they're deeper. So I think they're a team to watch out for. You know, I think the Celtics will have their eyes on the Sixers and the Sixers' eyes on the Celtics throughout the season. And then I think the, the the three teams that have kind of emerged, and maybe four if we want to talk about the Orlando Magic, is the, you know, Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, and um Magic. You know, we you know, we can we can we can if you want to throw the Magic in there as that, that fourth team, I think they've kind of replaced Cleveland. Cleveland taking yeah. a step back, the Knicks are kind of where they are. Uh, I think the Heat were, you know, will they ever get healthy? You know, they're kind of, you know, up and down, but that, you know, the Heat are going to be a dangerous team, obviously, down there in South Florida. And uh, they, they've played some good ball, probably better than expected. So um, I think these are two teams that are going to be going at each other all year, competing for that that Eastern Conference uh, number one seed. And then this ought to be a, a very entertaining game. Yeah, yeah. I want to touch on one thing as, as you alluded to. It's interesting, you know, I think a lot of people, when they assess the Sixers, it's it's about, okay, Tobias Harris has to be, he has to be more than just a contributor. He has to be up and playing well for them. And I think that's a great assessment for sure. I think that the question is here now, and, and from your opinion, he it, we haven't seen it at this level consistently because it's the first time that this is happening. Talking about Tyrese Maxey, but is he getting to the level now you think, and maybe it's too early to say, that okay, he's gonna get what he's gonna get. Like I don't want to say unstoppable, but you know he's gonna. I mean, he's averaging twenty seven a game right now. 
<laughs> so uh, if you would have told me he was averaging 22 a game, I would have said, sure, no problem. Even with Harden there, right? I recognize the talent, but 27 a game and seven dimes, you know, and not really turning the ball over, you know, a, a whole lot as well, too. Just consistent basketball, shooting it well, almost 40% from three. Is he, do the Celtics have an answer? I guess it's a better No, <laughs> I mean, it may be Drew at times, um, but to me, uh, I mean, you know, Warren, I think it's like it, you have to hope that he, 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 he's not, he's off. Like he's taking 27 shots to get that 27 points. Mm -hmm. Like um, that's what the first game where he had 27 points. And I thought he was good, especially in the fourth quarter where he was cooking the Celtics on the pick and roll. He was getting what he wanted. Missoula pointed out, well, he took, you know, 25 shots to get his 27 points. We, you know, okay. But it's when, when you score those points, if it's in the fourth quarter, Joe, like he's cooking, you you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, um, I think that that he is a weapon. I, I think we saw it in the Easter Conference uh, semifinals last year, and now it's his team. They've given him the ball and said, it's your, it's your Nick Nurse has given him the ball and said, because we can all blame, you know, well, why, are, why are they better? And last year, you know, is it Doc Rivers' fault? I think, honestly, in all honesty, Warren, Doc Rivers wanted to do this last year, but you had uh, the beard there. Yep. And he, you know, he needed the ball. And, and so like, he kind of, you know, blocked a little bit Maxie's development. So I think it was a very easy move for Nick Nurse to go put the ball in Maxie's hands and say, it's your team. Just set up the big guy, let him do his work and try to set up your teammates. But, but you're, you're faster than anybody in the league <laughs> instead of maybe De'Aaron Fox. And you can score, you can get to the rim against anybody and you're above average three-point shooter. So, yeah, like, I don't know if they have the answer for Tyrese Maxey, except them try to make his shots tougher. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think we're getting to that point here now. And I, people have been seeing and saying he is really a good basketball player and almost exactly what you said verbatim in terms of Harden just being there was going to always put a harness on him to some degree. And now, you know, the shackles are completely off and we're seeing the best basketball of his young career. Um, but I think we're looking at somebody who can potentially be a multi-time all-star. He is really good, but he's so, I don't know, casual about it. He's not, you know, overly verbose and he's always smiling and there's just, you know, he's giving you, you know, 27, 30 and with a smile, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting situation. I think, you know, the Sixers have a really, really good basketball player there and Boston is going to be hard pressed uh, to make it harder for him uh, so that they don't get cooked again. Uh, but he's cooking everybody. So there's no shame yeah. in that, I think, at this stage. We're going to go ahead and keep things pressing on and kind of get into this in-season tournament. So Boston more or less uh, captures uh, the Group C um, by beating the Chicago Bulls by the required margin going into the game. Some controversy and some, I'd say, not necessarily harsh words, but disparaging words in some ways about the unwritten rules of the game, I think from Brown Tatum and some others as well to Billy Donovan, you know, got, got his panties in a bunch, you know, Fallon, Andre Drummond, you know, the whole situation, uh, your thoughts on that aspect of the Celtics knowing that they needed to truly blow the Chicago bulls out in essence to qualify. And at when, at what point did it become important for them to do that? Because I think we were talking about it earlier. It's like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. In season tournament, social, whatever, whatever. But then they were clearly trying to do something and clearly trying to qualify. 
and absolutely get into this tournament for whatever it's for the dollars, for the notoriety, whatever it is. When did that mindset change and how do you think that game kind of turned out with Chicago? Yeah, I think it was interesting. I think, I think they were kind of blase about it. Like, you know, you win your first two games, you, you beat Brooklyn at home by 14 and then the Toronto game, I think they were, you know, they just wanted to win that game and they ended up holding on by three. A, I think they led by 16 at halftime and then, you know, just kind of slipped and, and then held on to win. And then the Orlando game, I think it was sort of like they just wanted to win that game. They wanted to beat the Magic. I don't think they were trying to, like, get point differential. And then at the end of the Orlando game, the Magic not only win, but they score seven points in the last 62 seconds. So I think the – Celtics were like, well, okay, wow, where are we at now? And I think they thought, okay, we're going to probably win this group before the Orlando game. We just need to, you know, be good, win one out of two, we'll be three and one. But then, you know, Orlando kept winning, and Orlando beat them and beat them by 17. Hmm. And suddenly it was like, uh-oh, well, they went from being the favorite to win the group to it's likely they won't even advance. So it was like the 23-point thing because uh, it's not only 23 points, Warren. They had to win. Brooklyn had to beat Toronto by nine points fewer than that, <laughs> So which they did. They beat them. The Celtics won by 27. And then Orlando – sorry, Toronto, uh, the, the, the Nets poured it on kind of in the last minute ended up beating Toronto by 12. Now, I want to I say that game was like 96-97. 97, 96 with like 320 left. So it was a one point teams going back and forth. And all of a sudden the Nets scored like, you know, eight points in the last minute. So I think once the Celtics figured, okay, we need to blow Chicago out. And then the first half, I think they were 11 for 17 from three. Or there was an incredible number from three. They were knocking them down. The Bulls were just playing, going through the motions. Zach Levine was Coming off a foot injury, he still hurt. He just looked a shell of himself. DeRozan was okay. Vucevic usually plays well against the Celtics. He didn't have a good game. I think Kobe White and was the only guy who looked like he, who looked like he really cared. Hmm. Once they got up at halftime, I think it was like 19, they're like, wow. So if we just play a pretty decent second half and win the second half by four points, we can get this. Then they led by 28 at the end of the third. So it's like in usual NBA, you know, tradition, as you know, Warren, you play maybe the first two or three minutes, you know, the, the other team doesn't make a run. They don't cut it to, to, to 16. It's still 28 or whatever. Then you put your scrubs in or I don't say scrubs, you know, the end of the guys into the bench guys. And, you know, it becomes kind of just like a new game. It becomes a, a pickup game. Sure. And then we've seen it where a team will, you know, some guy off the other team's bench will, will, will get hot. All of a sudden they'll come down to 15, a 28-point lead, and then you end up losing the fourth quarter. I think I, I, I want to say that help, happened to the Celtics um, earlier this season. I can't remember what game where they're – the bench just got pounded in the fourth quarter and they ended up winning by 12 and a game they might've led by 25 or something. So, but in this situation, the Celtics are like, okay, all we need to do entering the fourth quarter is we're up 28 is not get outscored by six. But if you put your 
into the bench guys in there against some of these Bulls guys, um, you know, you're probably going to lose that battle because these bench into the bench guys for the Bulls are trying to get minutes, right? You just you just see it like they, you know, there's got Jalen Phillips, second round pick out of Tennessee, and Dalen Terry and Terry Taylor and Io Deluso, like guys who, you know, and Deluso's got played minutes, right? I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, so it was interesting to see one Joe leave the starters in, and then Hack of Drummond. Uh, in the middle of the fourth quarter and, and kind of expose him for the poor free throw shooter he is. Yep. And then, you know, shooting threes in the last two minutes. I know Hauser hit a three and and you're just, you know, you're saying to yourself, wow, they're, you know, they're banking that one of these Bulls guys doesn't get hot because if some guy comes off the bench um, and hits a couple of threes, they're not going to the play-in. So a guy like Terry Taylor or – Jalen Phillips could knock the Celtics single-handedly out of the play-in. So it just got really strange and weird and uncomfortable because this is not how we were learned to basketball. You respect your opponent, um, you know, and especially in the last few possessions, you run the clock out, you take the team turnover, they stop giving it to an individual. So, you know, people don't care about team turnovers, you know, and the guy who, dribbles the ball till the shot clock, he doesn't get a personal turnover for that, you know, because guys do care about that. That's why they don't take heaves at the end of quarters because they don't want to have a, a missed shot attempt. So it's it's encouraged to, 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 you know, run the clock out. But in this situation, the Celtics are just running back and forth and putting up, you know, putting up numbers, shots. The Bulls are putting up shots. And it's it's like, you know, Wow, this is crazy. And they ended up obviously winning by 28 points. Um and or 27 points. And it was um weird. I'll just say weird. Yeah. What did you think about Jalen's comments? And then even from Chicago's standpoint, you know, this is a team that in some ways you really were adding insult to injury. Like they're having a really bad season, yeah, right? That's so the thing. That aspect of it. Does is- any other team Warren, like, but Chicago's a mess right now. Like, yeah. like and, I'm, and I was just talking with other reporters about this. Like, I don't know if they're a playoff. Like, they're probably an eighth seed if they play well. Like, look at the roster. Levine is a former all-star, a dude who can light it up. DeRozan's a guy who's probably a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't know what you think, but a guy who has, you know, gotten it done for 15 years in, the, in this league. Vucevic is a guy who can shoot threes and, like, you know, Kobe White's a pretty good player. Like, they got players. Alex Caruso, like, they're not a bad – like, they don't lack talent. Mm. This is something wrong there. And they they came into the game 5-13. and 13. I think they had lost the last five. Like, they just look like a mess. They look like they've given up. Yeah. I just think the combination of the, the running up the score, the point differential, the Bulls being a complete, you know, disaster – added to the frustration of the hacker drumming and Donovan saying, okay, you've beat us. What do you, why are you pouring it on? Cause I don't think he understood the point differential and Joe had to explain it to him. And I don't think that did, did Billy any good though. You know, it's interesting. You brought up a couple of points that I do want to get into, you know, and this is, maybe this is an off air conversation. I, I do wonder Joe's um, standing with other coaches. You know what I mean? Just like, I mean, is he in, they're all in the coaching fraternity, but you know, some people have a, have higher standing than others. And I know he's just still fresh to it, so to speak, but it's, it's, it's an interesting situation there. And I don't think 
something like this wins them any favors, no. especially definitely with no. Billy Donovan in Chicago, right? No. But Jalen made a comment, you know, and listen, I don't want to be sound bite-ish, if you will, too, but he's like, hey, our coaches made a decision and we got to stand by that and we got to do, you know, what they ask us to do or what the case would be. Is there, is there any bristling, you know, and, and not that I'm looking for, you know, controversy or digging for dirt, so to speak, but, you know, from guys who, who do want to respect the game, so to speak, did, did this bristle with them that the coaches were like, no, we can need to continue to pour it on? I think they understood. I think they want to get to Vegas. They love to win the 500,000, not only for themselves, but remember the members of the coaching staff too. Like, so it's oh, a big true. deal. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think they understood, but I don't think they liked it. And I think yeah. Jalen's, you know, being a member of the player association executive executive committee was in the, in the meetings that I, the way he's come across to us is like, listen, man, the league sold us on this. We ain't crazy about it, but we said, okay. So that means we ain't crazy about it. You know, um, so the point differential thing, I'm sure will be brought up with the competition committee in the league and all that to say, like, can you put that as the seventh uh, factor instead of the second factor? Some people are saying best team with the best overall record should go. If there's a tie breaker as a, you know, if you have a three-way tie, uh, the team with the best overall record should go as opposed to the team who's won with the point differential because obviously this didn't happen a whole lot, but there was obviously a three-way tie in Group C, and they are all had beaten each other, so you couldn't go head-to-head, so you had to go point differential, and that's where the Celtics ended up winning. Um, so I think Jalen and, and Drew Holiday was pretty much like, yeah, I didn't like this. Uh, Jason, too felt like we know this is what we got to do to get to Vegas. This is part of the plan, part of the game, part of what I guess the league wants, but that don't mean we got to like it. Got you. And got I just you. think, as as you said, like, you know, I think that's, I think this whole in-season tournament for a lot of players is, you know, we ain't got to like it. We ain't got to like the court, these crazy looking courts and we ain't got to like, but you know, if it brings more prestige, revenue to the league, if I can get my, you know, one of these guys on a non-guaranteed contract, you know, if I can get help get Lamar Stevens five hundred thousand dollars, you know what, we gonna do this. Yeah, yeah, I think great, great point. Before we wrap, let's just kind of go ahead and preview uh, the Celtics' road ahead for a set in-season tournament. And so uh, they get to play the Indiana Pacers, and that's a, a away game for them, right? The Pacers were 4-0 and did very well in said tournament. Yeah, the Pacers are loved. I think they were like, I don't know, what were they, 5-7 uh, and seven against other in other games and 8-4-0. and four and all in the, like, <laughs> they, like, they, they love this in-season life. Uh, they they do and and they love to run it up. However, they got shellacked by the Celtics the first time they played this year. Points, yeah. <laughs> so there's some, I'm sure there's some get back involved here, especially with in season tournament moving on on the line here. What do you expect from that game? As you alluded to earlier on, you know, Porzingis not probably going to be there per se. Uh, Boston should still have enough even on the road, but this is a Pacers team that is taking this extremely seriously, and they score a bunch of points. Uh, this Celtics team, despite, you know, the 50 plus point blowout or whatever the case to be, what are you, what are you looking towards in that game as everybody now probably wants to try to go in and win this thing? Yeah. Um, one, a factor in that game, Tyrese Halliburton did not play. So mm. the Pacers best player did not play in that game. Um, two, the Pacers have given the Celtics problems over the last 
two years since Halliburton's gotten there. Uh, so I think it'd be obviously it's not going to be a 55 point win. Right. Um, I expect the Celtics should win the game. I think, you know, Indiana's a high scoring team that doesn't play a lot of great defense. They lost at home to Portland uh, a couple of nights ago. So they're a team that's beatable. Um, and, you know, but what if you look at them, you know, Buddy Hill, Benedict McThurin, Miles Turner, you know, former Celtic Eric Nies, Aaron Neesmith, Bruce Brown, uh, George Chester's own. Like, they got they got a they got a deep club that can potentially you know score score a lot of points and potentially bite you. So the Celtics cannot have these letdowns, can't get out you know can't allow a twenty to two run, can't let um, Halliburton go for thirty five points and fifteen assists. You know like they've got to stop somebody, and they're going to have to come come defensively. You know I think that obviously the Indiana fans. This is a team, a great basketball market, right? You know, Indiana basketball crazy. The Pacers haven't had a lot of success lately. So it's a big deal to them to get to Vegas. So they'll really want this game. So I think the Celtics cannot take this game lightly. Although, I mean, if you really look at it, Warren, like they got the best matchup, I think, because I don't think, you know, the Knicks are a team. I don't think you'd want to play, you know, the Knicks with Brunson and Barrett and Randall they're potentially a team that can beat the Celtics and they beat the Celtics three times last year. And you definitely don't want to play the Bucks in the quarterfinals. So I think they got the best possible matchup. Like they, it's, you know, you would love to have the game at home with the Celtics, but okay, you can win in Indiana, play a good, solid, strong game defensively, limit Halliburton. Don't let Indiana go three point crazy. And I think you got a good shot. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to agree there. You know, this is again a very much a winnable game, and you know if they were to do that, then you say again they get the winner of the the Bucks and 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 Knicks game, and then you know anything can happen there with those two teams who and obviously know how to play Boston and play Boston well. Then you look ahead all the way to Saturday, so we're not going to get into all that. I think for right now, let's you know see how they do on Tuesday. Maybe we'll have a chance to to record here again in between games, sure. um, one way or the other. Uh, but we'll see how Boston does fare against this Indiana Pacers team, who, again, Tyrese Halliburton, I think, has been one of the proponents of said in-season tournament. Um, and Pacers out here scoring 120, sometimes 140 points a game. Uh, should be really exciting to watch, but hopefully Boston will be able to uh, play some defense here and, and squash some of that offensive juggernaut firepower that's happening, leading, having the Pacers being the leading offensive rating team here in the, in the NBA. Gary, let's go ahead and wrap it there, my brother. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. As always, this is, has been Believe in Celtics. Make sure you follow Gary at G. Washburn Globe. Make sure you follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. Y'all, and we'll catch y'all next week. See how the Celtics do this in-season tournament and crucial matchup against Philadelphia 76ers, third game for the season. Thank y'all. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.